In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. That is Luke 24, verses 44 to 49. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you open to that portion of the scripture and join me as I read the Word of God. Can we all stand again in reverence to the Word of God? Luke 24, verses 44 to 49. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We can now take our seats. We will start a series on the book of Hebrews in the next two weeks, the week after next. So, But today we will have a break and uh, our subject matter would be the key elements of the gospel according to Luke according to Luke. So this is Luke's version of the Great Commission. That's Luke 24, as Matthew's version is found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, but I would extend that to 16 to 20. Luke's version is Luke 24, 44 to 49. Let me read the introduction. Before Christ ascended to the Father... He opened the minds of his disciples about how he fulfilled the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. Furthermore, he gave his apostles final instructions about certain truths like his death, resurrection, and the message of repentance. Jesus, our Lord, expected them to proclaim what they witnessed. And what they witnessed was his suffering, his death, and resurrection. Moreover, aside from being a witness to say, I saw this happen. He was alive. He suffered. He died. He rose again. I saw it because they literally saw it. And that's the witness that we relay to others. That's the witness that we relay to others as well. So he expected them to do that, and they must repeatedly proclaim, and this is what they did throughout the book of Acts, by the way. Luke, the author here, is also the author of Acts. So in, in studying the Bible, we sometimes, oftentimes, study them together, Luke-Acts. 
So it's like part one, part two. Part one, the life of Jesus. Part two, how did the gospel spread? And mainly, Luke was the companion of Paul. Luke himself was not part of the twelve. But Luke was a faithful companion of Paul. He was the physician. It's good to have a physician in your team if you're doing missions work. At least they get to be checked up once in a while. But more than that, when Luke said there is a miracle, a healing, you would have to believe him. Why? Because his empirical training to see and to observe would come into play. Now, they have to proclaim repentance for forgiveness of sins in his name. Take note in his name, the name of Jesus, and no other name. No other name can there be salvation. We know that, and they proclaim that. In Acts 4 verse 12, there's no other name. And our theme for the year, Solus Christus, and its founder, Acts 4.12, there is no other name that men could be saved. Not the names of any saints, nobody, except the name of Jesus. Now, the gospel message should spread to every nation, every nation. Now, I keep saying this, but I'm not sure if, if you're really, it's really registering in our minds. Because when we read nation, oftentimes we think of geopolitical nation. What is a geopolitical nation? The Philippines is a geopolitical nation. Indonesia is a geopolitical nation. Those are the, that's the modern definition of nation today. But in studying the Bible, we have to try to understand what it meant to them before when they used the word nation. And what was the more uh, original meaning of it in terms of the ancient texts? In terms of the ancient writings, what seemed to be the meaning of this word? And how does it harmonize with the overall plan of God throughout Scripture? Does it harmonize? And uh, you see, there's a lot of process before I begin to peg a belief. Before I peg myself on a certain doctrine, we have to go through that grueling process of going through all of Scripture and studying it before you peg yourself. That's why I beg of you, brothers and sisters, do not be quick to peg yourself in a certain doctrine if all you hear is hearsay. When you gather into a group, you exchange ideas on doctrines without study. You know what comes to my mind? Is what Paul said, but this is something like that. When he warned Timothy, watch out for those who talk about old women's fables. They just talk, 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 talk without study. And those who talk doctrine without real study, that's the impression I get. And when I listen, there is no basis for what you're saying, and you're going to argue that? To a point, it is ridiculous. So I encourage you, brothers, take time to study. Tanggalin lang yung katamaran. I remember one time when I said, find out how Jesus preached and the apostles preached. And why don't we try to get as close to that as possible? Some would argue their way of preaching the gospel in the sense that if you observe it, I do not see it. And I've gone through it, I don't know, so many times, so many times. But they will not speak on that angle. 
So I say to us, the word nation there, then, was the word ethne. Ethne, which is closer to what we say ethnic. Also meaning, what is an ethnic group? And we think of ethnic group, are you mga tribu lang sa bundok? No, you have ethnicity. There is a social science approach to research, which is ethnography, the study of certain people groups. But the Bible clearly defines to us what ethne is based on what? The harmony of scripture. You will find, as we have said in Revelation chapter 7, that what? That before Christ, every tribe and tongue and nation was represented. What does that mean? It all means the same thing. It's a style of writing that's saying the same thing. This, this, and this. Okay? Ako, ako, at ako. Ikaw, ikaw, at ikaw. It's like a different way of saying things, but it's the same thing. When you say in Revelation 7, 9, every tongue, tribe, and nation, you're talking about people of different languages. Therefore, modern missiology, when they say doing missions, it's not just crossing a cultural barrier. It's actually reaching out, proclaiming the gospel in certain languages, groups that Christ is not yet known. And there's perhaps something like six to 8,000 left in the world out of around 24,000 languages spoken. And when we say language, it's the language of certain groups. For example, the Philippines is a geopolitical nation. But in the Philippines, we have many languages. Now, for the sake of, I don't know, saying that we have a national language, first there was a president who said Tagalog is a national language, and of course, the Cebuanos disagree because Bisaya is spoken more. Therefore, uh, right now when you say, let's call it Filipino, and Filipino, they say, is a language that somehow, hopefully it would mix, and it would come to a point what is real Filipino. Then I spoke to a linguist, he's a, a Jew. One of the companies that I served before, the president was a Jew. And he said, Ed, I'm a linguist, that is my course. Let me tell you this, that in the Philippines, you don't have dialects. You have languages. Based on structure and vocabulary, you have languages. You have dialects too. Like, we are a Bicolano people group. Yes, and we have dialects. What's a dialect? Bicolano albay. Because majority is still the Bicol word, word and syntax and grammar. And we have daet kind of Bicol, which has a mix of Tagalog. And the Masbati kind, which has a mix of Cebuano already. These may be called dialects. But you go to Rinconada, it's not a dialect. It's unique because I don't understand a word they say. It's like, say, what? So I went to Rinconada speaking in front of different organizations and was trying to speak in Bicol Naga. Dapat pala nagtagalog na lang ako, mas nagustuhan nila nung iba. So going back, what Christ was saying is going to all the world and what will you do? Every ethne, because in the end, what harmonizes in scripture is every tongue, tribe, and nation. The job is not done. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all ethne, and then the end will come. 
of all the studies in eschatology, meaning end times, I tell you, those who are easily deceived are those who do not study. And those who claim they study, they do not study long enough or intent enough for it. There are certain scriptures that are clear that we cannot compromise. There are certain scriptures that are unclear we cannot push to the front. If you're saying that we're in the end times, I'd like to tell you that the apostles believed that in the first century church. It was the end times. And every century of believers believed that their century or their generation was the last, including our own. So if you, somebody tells me, Pastor, it's the end times. Uh, yes, since the first century church, it's the end times. Okay? Uh, but but the, the rumors of wars and earthquakes, yes, there were wars and earthquakes since the first century church. One thing for sure is, in the last days, there'll be false prophets. And yes, it's been around since the first century church. You see, he will come when he comes. What should we do? Focus on the mission. What is the mission every tongue, tribe, and nation? Anybody who gives me these conspiracy theories in my mind, oh, brother, let's just get the job done. He will come when he comes if he wants to come. But our role is to finish the job. And we're not done. Not yet. So, elements of the gospel, let's go through it piece by piece. Let us read verses 44 to 45. Verse 40, yeah, let's read. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. Okay, let's stop there for a while. He opened their minds. <clears throat> so the Lord reminded his disciples what he taught them about himself. However, it wasn't sinking in. For the three years and a half Christ was with them, not everything was really inside the clear to them. And that's like us. There are many things we learn in Scripture. That's why we need to keep studying because it takes time before something in Scripture becomes clear to our minds. And sometimes because as well, the disciples were a bit hard-headed. What do I mean? They, were, they kept thinking he will restore the kingdom of David politically. That was in their minds. Politically, he is the Messiah. He is the one who will restore our kingdom. Once again, we will have our own nation. We will beat the Romans. They will be taken away. And once again, Israel. Israel will become a nation. And this person, by lineage, is the son of David. Both through Mary and Joseph, son of David. And all these signs and wonders, he will do this. But then he died, and they couldn't see that. That's why the Lord explained to them through the Old Testament that he had to suffer, die, and rise again. And then he told them who he was in the Old Testament. Really? Was Jesus in the Old Testament? Yes. Shadows of him. 
glimpses of him, but at times preeminent manifestations of him. Manifestations of the Son of God himself was cited in the Old Testament by certain men of God. So Jesus was saying how he fulfilled the law, the Psalms, because David and, the, and some of the Psalms wrote about him prophetically without knowing it, and the prophets who proclaimed his coming. He opened their minds. What does this mean to them? That Christ indeed was the Messiah, the Son of God. He will restore politically everything in another time. In the new Jerusalem, in the new city, at another time when he returns again. But at this time, he is the fulfillment of what Old Testament scripture speaks about. That is why we study the Old Testament. Christ is the center. Now, in the New Testament, we know that he's the center. You have the canonical gospels, as they say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about his life and ministry. Then you have the book of Acts, how they spread the gospel with the power of the Spirit, how they planted the house churches in different locations, spreading the gospel. We see, we read about the epistles explaining the doctrine of Jesus, explaining the doctrine of grace and sanctification and glorification and predestination. We have the scriptures, the epistles also encouraging us because this is the theology, therefore you live this way. Then we also read about Revelation, which is prophetic. And still, it's about Christ. In the New Testament, Christ is the center. In the Old Testament, the eyes, the minds of the disciples were opened. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. If you recall, when I was preaching from Genesis and Exodus, I keep saying about the grand plan of God. To choose a family... Remember Tower of Babel, they were scattered, different languages, Genesis 11. And to answer that, that problem, the beginning of the answer was Abraham promised to build a new nation. God promised to build a nation, his descendants to be God's nation. To make the long story short, that's Israel with laws and ceremonies. For what purpose? How does Christ fit there? Everything was planned for the coming of Christ. Everything. Of course, there are other parts of the Old Testament like wisdom and practical living or living wisely on earth. And that's wonderful. And we can preach that without forcing that this is Christ in every line. We're not saying that. We're saying Christ is seen there because of the prophets and the preparation and the ceremonies. It shows as a shadow of Christ. And we will discuss more of that when we start our series on the book of Hebrews. Verses 46 and 47. Point number two, but let's read this first. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. Brothers and sisters, very important elements of the gospel. Okay, the first one is Christ is the center of the Bible. 
Christ is the center of God's plan. That's the first. God, Jesus opened their minds about who he was according to scripture. So God's plan of salvation for mankind is Christ. And that is found in the Bible. Number two, point number two is this, that he suffered, he, he died, and he rose again. That is very, very important. No matter how much Filipinos know that because of of dead religion, or we've been religious, but we never took it to heart. It's just a fact that we believe ever since we were children. We still have to repeat those words. Why? There comes a time when a mind and soul is not yet open to it. It's just information. To, to a point that there is real appreciation. Why? When the Spirit touches your heart and changes your heart, it means everything to you. And it means something. Why? Old Testament ceremonies. The lamb must die. The innocent lamb or animal must die for your sin. Yes, you can say, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. And they have done that in the Old Testament. But that's not enough. They have to bring to the altar of sacrifice a substitute, somebody not somebody, an animal that must suffer instead of them. A replacement. So in the law of God, a replacement can happen as long as that replacement is innocent. You're guilty, and if you're going to be somebody else guilty as well, no way. There is replacement. An animal who had nothing to do with your sin. And we understand that Jesus had to suffer and die for our sins. Because he was the Lamb of God, innocent in the sense he had no sin. And he was a perfect sacrifice. Therefore, we do not have to sacrifice year in and year out, like in the Old Testament style. What we need to do is have faith in what he did. That's why we have to repent of our sins, but there must be a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they say, sorry, Lord, for my sin. But still not enough. That's why in the Old Testament, they look forward to the coming of the Messiah. Right now in the New Testament, we look back at what Jesus did on the cross. We look back at what Messiah did. And that is the center of history, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that's not all. Okay, let's read. Death and resurrection, very important. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Let me read point number two. The Lord explained that he, the Christ, should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. Somebody asked me, is it really three days? Because they were counting by 24 hours. You don't count that. They don't, the Jewish people don't count that way. Day one is when that happened. Friday, he died. Day two, Saturday. Second day. Third day, he rose again. I think one of the brothers here, doctor brothers, told me, oh, that's how we charge in the hospital. Day, <laughs> day one is when you check in. No matter how late, that's day one. And then day two and day three, you don't have to leave at midnight. That's still day three. We charge you with that. Kasi pag-aaway, may lalaban pa dyan eh. Hindi naman 3 days, hindi 36 hours. Ay, tama ba? 72 hours. Eh, tama. <laughs> Nalito na ako sa mathematics ko. Oh, 
<coughs> kababaw ng mga diskusyon, ang mahalaga na matay na buhay. Malinaw ba? What should we do? He said, okay, death and resurrection of Christ should be preached, but key element, please look at the key element, that repentance for forgiveness should be proclaimed, clear as daylight. Ano ipoproclaim? Repentance. For what? For forgiveness of sins. He didn't say proclaim acceptance. He did not say proclaim sinner's prayer or altar call. He says repentance. And what is repentance? It's not just saying sorry for your sins. And it's just not turning away from specific sins. Repentance is a change of mindset, a change of perspective. You think this way, now you have to think this way according to Christ. That is repentance. So the repenting of sins is just a part of that. Change your perspective, change your mindset. Once you thought this way, in a sinful way, you think like the world. Now you have to think like spiritual men and women. Men who think according to scripture. That is what we must proclaim. Follow him. That's why when you say repentance and faith, they're alike. Because they're totally alike. They're totally alike. Because faith is believing in him. Means you believe in what he says and you're willing to follow. Means you really Align your mind towards him and your heart. And repentance is the same thing. You have to change your perspective. No longer the earthly perspective, but the spiritual and heavenly perspective. So if we preach the gospel, repentance must be there. The problem is you see gospel tracks without even the word repentance. And if it is there, it's tiny and small. And most of the text is what? God loves you and he has a plan for you. Well, let me say this. If you don't come to Christ and repent, the plan for you is damnation and destruction for eternity. Is that clear? If you repent and have faith in Christ, what's the plan? Eternal salvation forever and ever and ever. The love of God is only found since Christ came. Of course, they say the love of God exists to everyone, everybody in the sense that what? He gives the rain to all of us, both to the righteous and to the wicked. He gives rain. He gives sunlight. In effect, that is God's love. But when it comes to the soul, hear ye, hear ye. When it comes to the soul, it is only found in Christ, the one who rose, found in Christ alone, that apart from Christ, there is no salvation. And you will not experience the love of God for your soul outside Christ. The love of God is expressed in the sense he gave his son to die on the cross for us, that whoever believes him, and we say believe, not like the belief that the demons believe that he exists, not that. The belief that is like repentance. You really follow him. Because you look at the same chapter, John chapter 3, you go lower in chapter 21, to those who do not believe him, they're already condemned. 
They're already judged. So what do we preach? Death, resurrection, and then repentance. And then Christ is the center of God's plan. That's where Christ is the center of God's plan. So what is our preaching? It is centered on Christ and what he expects of people, which is to repent. And he offers forgiveness. That is the message. Please do not say, come to Christ. Don't focus on he will give you peace. He will give you peace of mind. He is compassionate. I'm not saying that's not true, but that is not the emphasis of the gospel. Don't say all your troubles will be gone if you're in Christ. Is that really true? Our soul is secured. But earthly troubles, I think that's even guaranteed. (laughs) You're in Christ. Oh, you will be tried and tested. Guaranteed. Ha! False teachers say it differently. Everything's going to be okay. Ah, for your soul, yes, it is well with my soul. There's that wonderful hymn, it is well with my soul. If you're a Christian, is it possible to die from COVID? Yes, that's why we're wearing masks, right? Yung mayabang na, without supernatural in your ministry, that is not the ministry of Christ. So I said, where are you now? Why don't you go in the front line and lay your hands in every COVID victim, okay? Go, now. Now. But they're not here. God is good. Christ the center. Death, resurrection, repentance for forgiveness. Please focus your discussion on that. Wag niyo nadagdagan. Akala ng ito, pag dinagdagdagan nila ng ingrediente, sasarap yung sopas. Have you tried cooking and putting everything in? It tastes terrible, right? For some of us who love to experiment, we end up with something really good. But sometimes it's really bad. Yes, sometimes things don't mix. And the chefs know that. Some ingredients don't mix. They just absolutely don't mix. Some medicines don't mix. You end up killing somebody if you mix some medicines. So what do you do? Focus on what Christ told us. Focus on this. We speak repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that is good. That is good. And the movement should be what? All ethne. And I want, by God's grace, I've been saying this, in God's time, we will be sending people, scholars, or OFWs, intentionally in certain locations to plant house churches that is closer to the unreached people groups. The good thing right now, these tribal groups are now going to the cities of the world, the famous cities of the world. And because they are not in their warrior-like tribes, it might seem to be safer to preach the gospel to them in a different location. And number three, the disciples witnessed his suffering, death, and resurrection, thus Christ called them his witnesses. He assured them of the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, who would empower them. And they were empowered in Acts chapter uh, 2. It was clear the Holy Spirit came. 
No, the Holy Spirit is here with us already because the Holy Spirit came already. It may also mean that we might sense an empowering of the Spirit even after salvation. However, in some special occasions, as John Wesley would put it, a second work of grace could happen. However, I do not agree that it should happen in the sense that once you truly repent and believe, the Holy Spirit has within you, has truly regenerated you, has changed your heart. And that's one key thing if you're truly saved, a change of heart from God. That's why suddenly you want to be truthful. Suddenly telling a lie seems to be a difficult thing already. It bothers you. Suddenly you want to be honest in your dealings. Suddenly... The other sins that you committed, you feel bad about it. It's a change. It's not, it's not a sudden adaptation to Christianity, culturally. No, no. The Spirit's work happens. That's why salvation is of God. We merely proclaim the gospel, but it is the Spirit who chooses and changes. How do you know? What should you do? All you have to do is be concerned about repentance and faith. Don't think, overthink it. God, did God choose me? Don't overthink it. The question is, will you repent? And there you have an answer. Let's read verses 48 and 49. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. God is good. And they were empowered from on high. Now, let us go through the application. Number one, believe that Christ is the fulfillment of the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And we should study the Old Testament with the lens of, of the New Testament, which makes, makes Christ the center of God's plan. If you missed the Tabernacle series, please go to the videos and, uh, or the Spotify and listen to them carefully and uh, appreciate every part of the Tabernacle or even from Genesis to Revelations. Oh, I'm sorry, Genesis to Exodus. We're not done with Revelations yet. Genesis and Exodus. And uh, go back to it. And even the Old Testament of your study have a New Testament lens. Number two, a key element in the gospel is the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Lord, which we must proclaim. Moreover, we should preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins in his name to all people, groups, and tribes. Yes, here first, but our intention is a church, as a church is to move, okay? Is to go. But some of them are here. Some of us must study missions on cross-cultural people groups that exist here in Naga City. And that is actually missions already. You don't have to go uh, in another location. It's cross-cultural missions in the sense that you're penetrating, not a geography, but a culture, a people, a language. But we preach forgiveness of sins with repentance. Don't say forgiveness because of what? Just say the sinner's prayer. Please, remove those emphasis. You know, some people don't, can't even believe a person can be saved without a sinner's prayer. And that's not in the Bible. But they're so disturbed. No sinner's prayer. How will they be saved? For crying out loud, read the Bible. Not the cliches. Not the cliches even of the evangelical world. 
But we grow to what? Observe what is expected of us by Christ and major in that. Major in that. Number three, we believe the statements of his apostles because they are witnesses. The apostles were witnesses. We believe their statements about who Jesus Christ is and we echo what they witnessed about his death and resurrection. We didn't see the death and resurrection, but they did. And we keep speaking of it. We trust that his Holy Spirit accompanies us with power because Christ promised them that they will be empowered and we believe in that. That as we preach the gospel, by the way, we said in Romans chapter one, Paul wrote and we discussed that and we preached that here. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation. You don't need a title pastor to proclaim the gospel. You don't need to be a seminary graduate to proclaim the gospel. If you proclaim the gospel, the death and resurrection and why he had to die, and he rose again defeating death, and you preach repentance, you are preaching the gospel. How people respond is not your problem. It is the Spirit's role, not yours. What we must do is proclaim faithfully. What if they're offended? That's, that, that's, why, they, that's why you will be persecuted. Because it's offensive. Offensive what? Sin. You call out repentance from sin. You call out a change of mindset on a certain thing. That is offensive. But you can be gentle and try to be friendly in explaining it. But how they respond, that is not unto us. But the problem would be if we try to manipulate them to accept it. We trust in the Spirit. And it is his spirit who will save people, but with the gospel. Cannot be without the gospel. Number four, in our present context, we could find ways to expose the gospel message through the internet and from house to house. And that's our context now. So in the internet, how? Well, post the right things, hopefully. You post about Christ and the gospel of Christ. One way is simply sharing our videos, simply about the prayer meeting or, or, or the Sunday messages. People may find you weird, but there are people who will respond to it and say, hey, are you connected with that? I want that. You'll be surprised that there will be people who want to follow Christ, and you would be the trigger of it because you shared something. Sometimes nothing will happen. Some people might even fight you about it, but that's all part of it. The apostles all died a martyr. Oh, okay, they died a martyr. So don't think you'll have more friends. All right? Uh, you still love Christ? Uh, you, will you preach the gospel without compromise faithfully? And then we can do it from house to house. And we know that in house to house, they did that in house to house in the early church. And that's what we can do today. We encourage you to start growth groups online and even in your homes, provided they are just your neighbors. You know, there are other parts of Kamsur 
COVID-free in certain barangays. We encourage in those areas especially. Okay, in those areas especially where it is still much safer, but still follow the protocols. We need hosts. A host treats it as a ministry to welcome people, to share some food. And if you need help, well, my encouragement is to build a small CR outside so they don't go inside your house. Maybe we can talk about it if you're serious about your ministry there. We want you to be safe. Yet at the same time, we want people not to travel too much from so many places going to one house. We encourage neighbors coming together, just neighbors, and limit it there if possible. Same barangay if possible. <clears throat> and that will be our thrust. Online growth groups. Please invite even those who are overseas already who are part of us to engage us online. Maybe it will be a struggle choosing the right time, but some of us might be able to do it, to, to, to strengthen them, even to share some of the sermons we have. And you know, our growth group model is very simple. We, we, we preach a sermon, and we take time to study this, and the growth group must focus a discussion on the sermon itself and how it is applied. We want them to grow in knowledge on how the scripture was interpreted and then how it applies to their lives. And 95% of discussions must revolve around that. If your growth group talks about 100 things outside this, please tell your growth group leader to submit to the senior pastor to follow the protocol, the pattern that we are showing that we see as what? That people do not only grow in fellowship, but in doctrine and learning based on the interpretation of God's word and application. Number five, in his time, we shall extend our ministry to other areas of Bikul and the world. But we must begin to learn to welcome people in our homes and we must proclaim his word. I've been talking to some of you, especially the youth. I said, perhaps half of you might work elsewhere. Why not focus on one city? We all go there and plant a house church with you there first. And then we reach out to that city uh, where Christianity is very low in percentage. So it's highly planned and programmed. And uh, next week, we'll also present to you our possible missionary partner who is working, who started working in Europe and will be transferring there after COVID. And he's old, he was a GCF pastor, but right now wants to do actual missions in Europe. And, and uh, we want to start baby steps in building this relationship with this missionary. And I said, I have a clear interest. We have a clear interest in our church that our young people or millennials would transfer there, both as OFWs and missionaries, or scholars or students and missionaries at the same time. The good thing is we have the same philosophy. And uh, there is some alignment there. We will get there, but you know what? The first training is here. The best training is local church training. You hear that in seminaries. The best training is not seminaries. It's not seminaries who produce pastors. It's the local church who produce pastors. The seminary is a reinforcement. It cannot be that first and this second. It's this first. 
For example, learning to study God's Word every Sunday carefully. And then what? Fulfilling the basic functions of fellowship, of teaching and praying together. And then reaching out to our neighbors. That basic concept happening here. And that is what we duplicate elsewhere by God's grace. I have given you discussion questions in the bulletin. It's a new thing. And I'll be, try to be faithful to write that every Sunday. So that in the growth group, this is the assignment already. And the facilitator will just facilitate it in making sure that everybody speaks and shares about what they have written here. Take note, we're not just asking you what's your insight. When it comes to the interpretation of Scripture, we're asking you based on your study of the context and based on the message, can you repeat what it means? That's the only question. Now, you can be creative if we say, how do you think it applies to you personally and in your family? Then you can have many insights on how to apply this. But if you're going to do a study or you're going to give a comment of what you think the text means, please study the context. So I encourage you to study God's word and preach the gospel. What is preaching the gospel? Death and resurrection. It never gets old. Ibig sabihin, ano sa Tagalog, huwag niyong pagsasawaan yan. Pag nagsawa ka dyan, may problema ka na. May problema ka na pag nagsawa ka dyan sa suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. True believers will respect that till they die. Till they die, it will be fresh in their hearts. If it gets old to you, nagsawa ka dyan, I think you have a big problem, man. Death and resurrection. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that is the good news. Repentance for forgiveness. He forgives us. He doesn't have to. But he does. And that is mercy. And that is grace. That is what we preach. And trust the Spirit. Trust the Spirit. If they reject it, it wasn't your fault. Just faithfully proclaim the pure word of God. Let us all stand and let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us back to the gospel. Let us allow us to remember the elements where Christ is the center of all. It is about the person of Christ, the fulfillment of the law, the Psalms and the prophets, the center of Scripture, all the New Testament. Teach us to remember about his suffering, death, and resurrection. He suffered and died because of sin. As, so he pays the penalty of those who would believe and who would repent. And teach us to preach repentance. He died, he resurrected, and there is hope. And he calls people to repent, to change their minds, to follow him for the forgiveness of sins. And we pray, teach us to be faithful in preaching the death, resurrection, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Not only in our own ethne, but in the different ethnes, the different people groups and tribes 
all around the world. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that accompanies us, that is always with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the gospel is the power of God to salvation, and the Spirit regenerates, gives us a new heart. And we thank you, O Lord, for the new heart. And we pray for everyone here that they would experience true salvation, true regeneration, where the Holy Spirit gives them a new heart with new desires, with new appetites, with a new hunger. And that is a hunger for spiritual things and a hunger for God and a hunger for the Word. For those of us here who have not genuinely repented, I pray, Lord, that they will repent. They will repent now or later or tomorrow, but we pray that they would repent. And we pray that it would not be too late. To you be the glory. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. May the gospel of Christ and may the power of the gospel be in your mouth. May you speak it forth and trust the Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit to change the people around you with the gospel, to save that which is lost. And make us instruments, even in this time of pandemic, when we feel we are limited. Give us the wisdom to use the online tools and the old-fashioned being kind to our neighbor, doing good for our neighbor, in helping our neighbor to make a connection so we may one day preach the gospel to them. Teach us to open our homes to invite people to eat and partake, to share our blessings, that we may proclaim the gospel to them. Open doors, O Lord, in our profession, in our business, in our, in our schools. Build connections with others that we may proclaim the gospel to them. That Christ is the center of God's plan on earth in the Old and New Testament. That he died and resurrected. And that people should repent for the forgiveness of sins. May the blessing of the Lord be with you all. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.